Welcome back to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome back to our watch club for HBO's The Last of Us. Joel, save who you can save. Watch Club. My name is Nate, and this is our Watch Club for HBO's The Last of Us, Episode 2, titled Infected, directed by Neil Druckmann. Uh, special thanks, as always, to our partners at Crave and HBO uh, for letting us watch this series early in advance. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going to full spoilers for this episode, uh, but not the games. Uh, but even still, if, if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so and then come right back faster than a fresh, hungry runner. Now, before we blow up the old state house, let me introduce you to my fellow survivor. And yes, we only have one survivor joining us this week, but don't worry. He's certainly a, a fun guy. <laughs> uh, he's taller than a bloater, and he's certainly an Ellie toter. He's Justin the Joel Lovin' Lawrence. You know what, Nate? Today I ordered a fungi pizza. That's oh. how much of a fungi I am. You just want to eat it. I like it on my pizza. Eat it up. Oh, yeah. What, oh, if, yeah. what if that's what happened? What if that's the cause of the outbreak, Justin, did you think about that? Uh, well, we'll get into it. I, I don't know if it's <laughs> it's definitely food related, but I don't think it's mushrooms. It's that kind of mushrooms. <laughs> that kind of mushroom, at least the frozen kind that are put onto those pizzas. Um, <laughs> well, you know, speaking of food, um, there's a little bit of, of a, a fun moment with food in in this episode. Uh, and so, before we get into it, I actually wanted to ask you, um, you know, if you were living Outside of, of a QZ in the world of The Last of Us, what would your go-to survival meal be? You can only choose one food. What would you What would you bring with you? Oh, but that's there's so many variables there, man. It's like what what's <laughs> available, know. right? Like what do you what do we got? You know what, what I mean? We, like uh, you can choose anything, but you have to like remember, like you know, if you like if you choose, you know, a, a chicken sandwich, for instance, like how long is that going to last? Bread's going to go mm. moldy chicken's gonna go bad mm. like you gotta think yeah, about this. yes probably pizza yeah you get the carbs that will charge you, you yeah. get some vegetables on there get some dr ochre uh pizzas i imagine i would have hoarded a whole bunch of those from costco <laughs> yeah. before things got super super crazy and pre-make them before you head like out a swedish pizza i don't know he's a doctor though so he's apparently a, hey. he's got a doctorate in in pizza making he would so. know what's up yeah exactly <laughs> i went with something a little more realistic i just chose beef jerky um because dude well that's where you see him eating no i get it, it. listen i'm just saying <laughs> they have good taste but i would go to the here's the difference though here's the difference between me and joel I would hit up a Costco as early as I could during the outbreak. Like, I'm talking September 27th, I'm at a Costco, and I'm just hoarding as much of the variety pack. You know how they've got that variety pack? you got the peppercorn, the teriyaki, right? Mm. The sweet teriyaki spicy flavor ones. Like, I would just get a nice little variety pack of that stuff. Because here's the thing. The packaging, is it loud? Yes. Could that be a problem later? Absolutely. But you take that stuff out of the packaging. You you wrap it up in some, I don't know, cloth or something. <laughs> 
something and then that's a quiet food that doesn't need to be a loud food you know what i'm saying yeah it'd be good beef jerky is probably the safest bet that makes the most sense i think i think trail mix is another one that would probably be but i'm allergic to nuts so i'd probably go with like corn nuts okay yeah Yeah, Yeah, you can do corn corn nuts. nuts Okay. Yeah, I would do a corn nut trail mix. I guess frozen pizza is not really a thing that would be sustainable on venturing outside of the QZ. But but Justin, you and I are sitting there outside the QZ. It's raining just out and there's just away. There's little there's a like four clickers uh, you know near us and I'm just like softly chewing on the beef jerky and you're just crunching onto these corn nuts. I'm just like shut up, Justin. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um well Listen, before we go the long way, only to realize we should have gone the short way, let's get into this week's episode. So we get kind of another cold open uh, for the show where we start off two days prior to what would be considered outbreak day uh, with, you know, we saw that last week with September 26th. Uh, This is September 24th, 2003 in Jakarta, Indonesia. Uh, And it's interesting because this is probably what they were hearing on the radio in the kitchen was this was what was happening in this moment. Um, We see a restaurant full of people, one of them being uh, Ibu Ratna, a professor of mycology at the University of Indonesia, which mycology is the study of fungi. Uh, And her meal is ended for her when two military officers apprehend her to ask her to study a specimen sample. She determines it's ophiocordyceps and asks why chlorazole was used to prepare the slide. She's then informed that the sample was taken from a human so she walks into the lab when she sees a woman's corpse with a bullet in her head on a table Uh, she's informed that another human bit the woman in the leg uh, and then after reaching into her mouth which is awful she discovers the living fungi sprouts uh, and quickly exits the room Uh, we learn that the incident happened at a flour and grain factory so there goes Mm -hmm. all your pizzas Justin Uh, roughly 30 hours prior uh, a woman became violent and bit three coworkers. All of them, including the woman, had to be executed, uh, and that the individual that bit the woman is still out there. Fourteen additional workers are missing. Her hands start to shake as she places her tea on the table and informs the military officer that there is no medicine, there is no vaccine. Uh, and when asked what, what they should do, she just says, bomb. Bomb the entire city and everyone in it. So, again, such an incredible incredible way to add to this story add to the Mm -hmm. world building of this show what did you think of this 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 unfortunately terribly dark opening uh and did you did you catch the interesting detail that we're kind of already alluding to of how the virus spread so quickly yeah no i i think that this is probably one of my favorite parts of this episode is understanding a little bit more of the background as to how this infection spread or how it it originated you know shout out to heavy spoilers on on youtube he definitely predicted it based on the last episode where there was obviously an apparency that that food was was playing a factor into it uh you know the fact that joel and and sarah and tommy you know they um they didn't have pancake mix right as they're leaving you know they see nana adler getting bread shoved in her mouth <laughs> yeah um and joel's response i'm on adkins right there's this like subtle little hint there that that's probably why they were able to 
stay off the infection. And I know last week's episode, there was an implication that people closer to the city were getting this infection and that's why it was spreading. And I think that that just goes to show that there's always these stories in and around how these viruses come to be. Like think about COVID-19, right? You know, a pig and a bat met and, you know, suddenly sure. this is, this is how we have this. It's, had a baby. You know, there's all yeah. these different, or it's, it was manufactured or all of right. these different things. So they don't necessarily have all the information in the first episode. Here we get a little bit more. I think we still are going to get more of these flashbacks maybe treated as cold opens that take us back to a period where we will see it maybe we will see that that woman that's missing right. um maybe we'll see we'll see more of how the cordyceps infected the grain and the flour because jakarta is one of the largest producers of flour and grain so it totally makes sense uh, so yeah, shout out to Heavy Spoilers. I'm sure a lot of people on the internet were talking yeah. about it. Yeah, I had a friend of mine reach out to me uh, on Instagram. Uh, shout out to Deke, if you're listening, who sent me a Reddit post. Uh, user ag anagnost also uh, came to the very same conclusion, even calling out the, you know, Sarah not taking Mrs. Adler's cookies, Joel exactly. forgetting the cake, um, all these sort of little details. Yeah. Now, the thing that I, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know how if contaminated flour would spread from Jakarta to Texas within two days, but at the same time, we don't know how long the virus has necessarily been in Jakarta, right? Exactly. Yeah. That is the the part that we don't understand. It's it's the fact that things started getting really bad, you know, September twenty fourth in Jakarta that then flowed over into September 26th in, in Houston. So it's crazy to see the span of it yeah. and how it did spread. It's rapid. Um, but that said, like, I think this was, again, much like the cold open from the first episode, haunting. Yeah. Very terrifying. The, the fear from this doctor oh. is is just so And she's just like, can palpable. you just take like, me to be just... with my family? And I exactly. was like, oh she's like, She's just like, we're done. We're yeah. done. You know what I mean? Like she, We're all she dead. saw the writing on the walls, if you will. So I, I loved it. Well, and it's great because instead of, you know, cheap dialogue to explain these moments, I think a lot of shows kind of do that right where we get like uh in the before times or whatever right but here we're actually getting to see the people who are involved in these story moments that give us these answers to the questions that we've been wondering since the first game came out you know this is stuff that they because it's in the tv medium they have the ability to expand on um and it's so dark it's so sad but it's just a great way to to show us what's happening within the entire world rather than with with the original game sort of feeling like it's just focused so much on these two characters and obviously you know in 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 last of us part 2 we do get to expand out a little bit um but just the idea of sort of getting the opportunity to go so far in a different direction in the world where we get to see these events that are so important for this story is just it's awesome it's so cool yeah, and I think the other thing too is it doesn't really matter in the game, in my opinion, right? It's not it's not essential for the game. It's just people are infected, and these are sole survivors that are are on this mission. Right here, as you said, in the in the TV medium space, we can explore that a little bit more. And I like that they've made alterations to it. Like there were in the game, I know, you know, in the scene with Sarah, you know, they they a lot of people have been pointing out in the newspaper. It says you know infected crops from from Central America, South America, and and so on and so forth. So I like that there's there's been a change to to the narrative so that it can be explored more through this series as to how things came to be right. versus in the game where it was just like this is what we know and that is it. Right. No, it, 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 like again, that's the beautiful part about this being a show and I'm so happy that mm -hmm. this is 
that this is even happening. I'll be honest with you. Like, again, it's just one of those things that when this was originally announced, it was like, how is this going to work? And the fact that not only is it working, but it's also like they're doing the damn thing. They're getting this show to be a quality that we would expect, not just from The Last of Us, but from HBO. HBO. Um, yeah. So good. Home yeah. box office. Yeah. All right. So let's keep going here. So then we cut back to this very calm, almost serene shot of Ellie curled up in what looks like a patch of grass in a field, uh, but it turns out she's not in a forest. Rather, she's inside of a broken down and overgrown building just outside the QZ. Joel and Tess, still very concerned that Ellie will turn, uh, are just staring at her. Uh, and you can probably tell they probably didn't get that much sleep. <laughs> probably took shifts watching mm -hmm. Ellie. Um, and then as she goes to the bathroom, Joel and Tess argue about how they should continue. Uh, Joel wants to take her back to the QZ, whereas Tess says they'll just kill her and they just need to get the mission done. Um, after Tess pushes her to answer, Ellie tells them the one thing Marlene told her not to tell anyone. Uh, and that is that uh, to the West, there is a facility where some doctors are working on a cure and she's the key to finding the vaccine. Joel doesn't believe in any of that, saying he's heard it time and time again. But Tess argues that if at least the fireflies believe in it, then it what does it matter? We're going right. to get what we need to get. I, Joel, I agree with her. Right. Joel argue, uh, Joel agrees. Uh, to continue on, uh, and after Ellie asks for a gun, that's my favorite. She's just met with a resounding. Can I get a gun? No, I know, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. Um, so you know, I, I I think we were wrong last week when we said that Marlene told Ellie not to tell anyone about just her her being infected. Um, you know, clearly she's she told her not to tell them about the doctors uh, to the west. But I want to know what did you think of Joel's incredibly strong resistance? Uh, to this plan uh, involving taking Ellie, um, y you know, after knowing kind of what the plan was. I feel like there's a history there. Yeah. There's some sort of story that we just don't know. Uh, hence why he was so strong in, in his in his tone to to not want to go through with this, to just say this is hopeless. Let's just go back. Right. Um, you can see he's clinging to whatever he can to to keep him safe. Right. Even though. He can hold his own, mm -hmm. right? And and same with Tess. And I do agree with Tess. Like if if it means that they can get what they what they want or need, yeah, right. Um, then what does the, it matter? The, you know, yeah. And they they have the skill set to get her across to where she needs to be. Then what does it matter? Like, yeah. might as well just do it because at the end you're winning. And whether they get the cure or not, like if you believe that they will, that's great. Support them. If you don't, then okay. Well, let me do this task and and get what what I need as a resource. So I, I think that totally makes sense. I really enjoyed um, how when we cut from the title sequence back to this moment with, with Ellie, it, it looks extremely similar to how we're introduced to Sarah. You know, she's sleeping, mm -hmm. you know, we, we have this sort of ambiance to the space um, that, that kind of, kind of dictates the kind of, it's almost like a juxtaposition of the lives that these two girls have, have had. Sarah grew up in obviously a very wholesome family style before everything went crazy. Right. And here, this is probably all that Ellie has ever known is sleeping like this. And you know what I mean? Like she has obviously she went to this this Fedra school and, and the military school and stuff like that. So right. we don't really know the conditions. But I think at the same time, they, she's probably been conditioned and trained. It's an interesting sort of juxtaposition of the the life that was and the life that is now in in this timeline of of the last of us well i think it's lovely because it it visually draws comparisons for the audience right so that it makes it easier for us to see 
how mm-hmm. Joel is is struggling with that comparison, right? If mm-hmm. if we can instantly in this first very mo- first moment uh, in this episode sort of see her as Sarah, then to get the understanding that Joel doesn't want to go through with this because he sees her as Sarah. He sees it as just another opportunity for him to sort of fail in the same sure, way. Sure. So you're thinking you're thinking that part of the apprehension too is. The fact that he's looking at her as a kid, yeah. very similar to the way he looked at his daughter. Absolutely, he's like she shouldn't. She shouldn't have to go through with this. I feel like I feel like at the end of the day that we're going to get to that point mm-hmm. and, and, and throughout this series where she he is going to have a very sincere, like caring. But I think right now, I don't think he cares enough. Here's the thing. I think he's. I think we talked about this last last week, right? Where we talked about fear and love, and I think right. this is him. This is him saying, "I don't want to do this out of fear." But I think he's going to protect her out of love. Out and of that's love. going to be the character yeah. transition that we'll obviously see. And I'm excited to see that because I like how this episode, especially these moments, we see just how much they're butting heads, right? And how mm. sarcastic she is with him uh, and, and throughout this episode. And, um, and fantastic, you know, line delivery with the sarcasm from Bella Ramsey with Ellie's, uh, you know, with her saying, fine, I'll throw my sandwich at them or something, right? She's yeah, exactly. shoving the yeah. chicken sandwich back in her backpack. <laughs> I just was like, so good, so good. Um, but yeah, this was, uh, this was a great sort of way to, to kick off this, uh, this part of the story. So let's, Let's keep going here. So they they head out uh, and we see the ruined city this time in broad daylight, which was awesome to see. Um, I was getting uh, I am Legend vibes. I don't know yeah, about you, that's right? What I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and especially uh, especially yeah. where we're going. Right? Oh, With for all the... sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, so they're a ten minute walk away from the state house, uh, and they contemplate uh, taking the long way or the short way, which Tess also calls the "we're fucking dead" way. Um, <laughs> while traveling, Ellie tells uh, Tess. The story of how she got bit while in the boarded up mall inside the QZ, uh, which Mm. she says she traversed alone. Uh, After hearing an infected screech, they quicken their pace and make their way through a hotel that's been flooded. Shout out, by the way, to the little frog playing the piano. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I've got something I want to say about that little frog. But here we get to see Ellie informing them that she can't swim. uh, And we get to see her pretending to check into the hotel while doing some silly voices. So a little more information on on how Ellie was bit. Um, and also I wanted to highlight her sort of playing around at the hotel desk because, you know, I, I think, um, number one, I love how the uh, the frog playing the piano almost sets the mood where it's jumping on the keys that, that sort of sounds scary. And then yeah. we also have when she sort of falls back as well, where the piano makes yet another noise. Like it's just a cool way to sort of use the environment to add to the the soundtrack and to add to that jump scare moment. But it yeah. was also her her sort of pretending to check herself in and ring the bell and, you know, oh yes, I'd like one, you know, sweet please. And and like it's just really funny because she's usually so mature. She's usually such a potty mouth. She can usually keep up with talking to the adults that to see her acting like a little kid, right? She's still 14, right? And so mm. to, to see Joel call her a weird kid and then for her to do that that wonderful 14-year-old thing of like, you're a weird kid, like just saying the exact same insult back. I just thought it was so good and it was just such a great way to sort of remind the audience of like, yeah, like I know that she's grown up in this world, yeah. but yeah, she's still a child. Uh, yeah. And so she still wants to have fun. And and I don't know, just, yeah, you know, I thought it was a really lovely moment. It's also a sad reality that she'll probably never actually get to check herself Absolutely. in a hotel. Absolutely, yeah. You know what I mean? So playing pretend is, you know, 
very much all you can do yeah. at that at that time. So, but I agree. I think that it shows you will we will see probably the sort of tough, hardened exterior. There is a vulnerable, uh, childlike sense to her still, right? She is fourteen, so you know it's it's naturally there. Um, so yeah, I think that th- that moment specifically very much just kind of continues from the previous moment of, of just reminding us the the sort of juvenile nature that she is, right? And the smart aleck, quick wit that she has. <laughs> and sometimes not quick wit with just being like, you're a weird kid. Uh, but I also <laughs> thought that the, you know, have you heard of books, um, you know, where, where he's like, how do you even know what a hotel is? Because of course she wouldn't know what, a, like their travel would have of stopped course. like the yeah. moment <laughs> that that all happened. So hotels would be just gone, but. Yeah, no, I I um I thought this was kind of a a, a fun little moment, and uh, and again, shout out to that little frog for being a great pianist. Uh, so after climbing the ten floors up the hotel, they come to their exit point, only to realize that it's blocked. Tess asks Joel to give her a hand, and again, we have another great reference to the games of Joel helping Tess up the debris. Um, we must have done that like a million times playing the game. Um, and so like I almost to the point where I was like I'm, I was looking for the button prompt when he was like <laughs> lifting her up um, so uh, so then at that point Joel and Ellie get to spend a few more you know minutes waiting for Tess uh, as they ask questions back and forth Ellie learns that Joel is from Texas uh, and that Tess is from Detroit Joel lets Ellie know that the that infected live uh, everywhere from a month or two uh, and that some have even been kicking around for 20 years uh, she asks if it's hard to kill them, knowing that they were people once. And then she asks about the guy last night, referring to the guard from the end of last week's episode. They make it onto the balcony, only to see that the path is blocked by a ton of dormant infected lying in a huge pile. Ellie notices that they're connected, and Tess informs her that if you step on a patch of cordyceps in one place, then you can wake a dozen infected from somewhere else. So, you know, I don't, I don't know if this was really focused on in the games the idea that the infected are part of this sort of hive mind mind. state within at least miles of proximity what did you think of this little addition to the lore of the infected i think it gives it more justification as to how they can come in numbers right right so i I like that they added that little tidbit to just give it because in it again we're talking about the medium of television versus a video game in a video game that can just happen yes suddenly there's a whole bunch because it has to because you need something to do in the game exactly right so so here you can't just do that you can't just have a ton of them out of nowhere right so you know that'll that, that that little tidbit will pay off later but it was nice to know that there is there is sort of an intricacy as to how they're connected and maybe a hint as to how they can solve for a cure maybe down the road. I, I don't know. Mm. But, you know, if, if there is a cure, um, but like maybe that plays a factor into it. Um, but, yeah, I really got like this is where I got those. I am legend vibes. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like very much like, you know, you see that that. That city street, and you know that those things are there. You're like, okay, I'm, I'm going the, I'm going the real short way because <laughs> obviously I'm going to die the long way. Yeah, so. and I think it's cool with like, it's it's again, it's kind of neat how they show us this happening before Tess goes in and explains how it is. Right, they show the sun, you know, like the clouds moving to reveal the sunlight, and then you see it hit some of the infected, but then the other ones react before it hits them. I just thought it was a really smart way to kind of inform us of, of how this happens instead of 
again, mm-hmm. what a lot of shows will do where there's like this cheesy dialogue of someone steps on a patch of cordyceps and all of a sudden they're like, well, now that you stepped on it, it's informed, you know, like th- they didn't need to do that. They still gave Tess giving a teachable moment to Ellie, yeah. but they were able to show us as an audience before that, which I really appreciated. Now, I'm wondering and listen, stay with me here because uh, this could go uh, in a really cheesy way. And I don't I trust them enough that they wouldn't do this if they were to go with this idea. This might not even be a great idea, but I'm wondering as long as they don't go too super powery with it. I wonder if the fact that, you know, if, if in this version of the story with Ellie being infected, if she'll have some sort of connection to the infected, if there's some sort of greater sense of the intentions of the infected that are near them. I'm wondering if maybe there's something now in her blood that allows her. And again, not in like a, I'm not talking about like, you know, she can sense them through walls like in the game, but, but I just mean like, like I, I, in a sense of like, I don't know. She, she, there's there, if they have something to do with like her having the ability to kind of understand motives beyond just their screeching and their yelling and their screaming, um, or if she can like tell if they're on their way or or something along mm. those lines. Do you think that's too far fetched or too far away from the game? I think so. I think it's a little too hokey. Yeah. Um, it it, it kind of solves a lot of problems um, and makes things I think easier for for them. Right. Uh, if she can suddenly communicate with them, you know. And I think it kind of you know goes down that road of you know oh she's she's a mutant she's she's part human part yeah cordyceps <laughs> she's got the best of yeah. both worlds you know it's. It's very, you know, <laughs> B-movie-esque, and, and I feel like that's something that would be an easy solve to them being able to fend off the infected. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't I don't know. But, you know, again, like you said, the way they were able to show the sun hitting the, the infected, they rolled, and you see them all rolling. I was like, oh, they're all moving together. Like, I had the same reaction that Ellie had in that moment, of like, oh, they're all connected, right? And yeah. to have that explanation of, Oh yeah, it's like a hive mind, right? Like, that's great. Like, yeah. that's a that's a great new addition that makes at least what we'll see throughout the rest of these episodes a little bit more uh, plausible and believable. Totally, yeah. And I I will just say really quickly, um, I I got the urge today to jump back into the game, so I've been playing it again, uh, part one. By the way, for for those who don't know, if you have a uh, a PlayStation. Four or five, I believe. Um, I'm pretty sure it's for both. They have a trial now where you can get Last of Us Part One um, for for free for like a, a, a short period of time. It's it, like you get like a demo, like you get, I think you get like three hours or two hours or something with it. So you can you can probably play through up until the end of this episode. So definitely uh, definitely check it out. Um, so they head to the museum only to see that it's covered in cordyceps, but Joel determines it's long dead. Uh, they head inside and Ellie discovers a fresh corpse with gashes and scratches all over his face. From that moment on, they choose to stay completely silent. Uh, they sneak through the mostly empty museum when they when they uh, and then they walk through an entrance at the top of the stairs only to have that entrance collapse behind them. This alerts uh, a couple of clickers uh, and Joel mouths to Ellie that they they can't see, but they can hear. Ellie gets startled by one uh, and they're immediately attacked. They manage to kill them, uh, but we see that Tess has twisted her ankle and that Ellie's been bitten again so this sequence uh justin was quite a bit of um it was a nail biter or should i say it was an arm 
uh, Biter, what did you what did you think of our first real look at these uh, clickers in live action? Well, they looked great. I think that, you know, they're very video game accurate. Um, you know, they're twitchy, they're demented, they have the speed and, and they're they're horrifyingly scary. Um, so, yeah, I think they, they nailed the look and the sound. Uh, which is is great. I'm very excited to see see more of these infected throughout the rest of the series. You know the bloaters and, and all the different iterations that we that we'll get. Um, this needed to happen. We needed a little bit of a, an action piece point. Right. It wasn't heavy action, but it was just the right amount. Given how much dialogue and walking has taken place in this episode, it was nice to get to this point and and have a bit of a, a confrontation uh, that set the stakes and, and reminded us of, of what lurks in the shadows. But I will say there, there was a lot going on. I, I didn't catch um, how one of these clickers bit Ellie. I'm not I'm not sure if I, I missed something. Um, yeah. So absolutely. So because um, I, I, I went through the episode a few times Um it's it's the moment that Joel steps on the glass and it jumps over the table. You can actually see it biting her arm in that exact spot. So it was definitely a bite. I know it looked kind of small um, for it, but, you know, you have to imagine that her the reason her other part of her arm looks a little bit more infected was it wasn't a clicker last time. It was probably a, a runner. Um, I think she describes it as like it never did that to to someone. Um, so I'm assuming the clickers are maybe they're a little more scratchy. They're a little more, more bitey. Um, but, um, I thought they looked fantastic. Like exactly as we remember them, like you said, voiced by Misty Lee and Philip Kovats, who are the same people <laughs> who voice them in the games. Um, yeah, which that, yeah. we did a shout out to our, our, we did a YouTube video where we, you know, don't sue us, but we used <laughs> a few of those, uh, vocal sounds, uh, in, in our, one of our videos that we did about the last of us. It was fantastic. Check it out. Um, and, uh, and going through that, that YouTube clip, there's a YouTube clip of just all their sounds online and it's just, it's horrible. It's just the worst thing you could listen to. Uh, but I had to do it for the video. Um, I think they're really, really, they're, they're so incredibly designed, the clickers in particular, because they've always reminded me of the overall design of the world of The Last of Us and the cities of The Last of Us. Like, it's kind of like the destroyed, grown over city. It's, it's a terrible thing, but then at times it can be beautiful in some ways. Like, they sort of have almost this floral aesthetic to them that like sure I wouldn't want to be in the same room with one but seeing one and seeing just sort of uh, I've seen art pieces that have been done with these with these cordyceps infected faces and it's just I don't know in a weird way am I am I crazy for thinking that it's kind of beautiful at the same time no I think I think aesthetically you're you're hitting the nail on the head there about yeah. how they juxtapose the beauty of the city and the overgrown you know nature on the buildings and, and looks very similar to the overgrown floral right. blooming out on of these their people. face, right? So yeah, that's that's a fair assessment. It's interesting to see beauty and terror have similar sort of traits. It's very yeah. much like love and fear, right? Yeah. You know, they share two things and I think they can be aligned in some ways, right? Just get me, you know what? Get me, somebody Photoshop me as Owen Grady, Chris Pratt's character from Jurassic Park and just put me with some clickers and I'm just, I'm just there. I'm teaching them the the right way to do things. To do things. I don't know. I thought, you know what? Speaking of Jurassic Park, though, this scene also reminded me a lot of the kitchen scene of Jurassic Park, right? Of just sort of, especially 
in the ways that some of these shots were done were so good, like shooting off the reflection of glass, like broken glass, I thought was so smart. Um, and just the way to sort of give us the sense of space. I just thought the cinematography was great in this moment as well. Um, really, really terrifying. Uh, so Joel tapes up Tess's ankle uh, as Ellie traverses a plank of wood to get across the street from the from one rooftop to another. Uh, and we get yet another great reference to the game of her and Joel taking in the view of the city um, as the sort of the main theme of The Last of Us plays lightly in the background. Uh, they get to the old state house to discover the fireflies have been attacked, not by Fedra, but by themselves. One of them got bit. Uh, the healthy ones fought the sick ones and everyone lost. Tess becomes more and more desperate to figure out what they should do next. Joel tells Tess they're going home and she gets really upset with him, telling him that their luck had to run out sooner or later. Ellie realizes that Tess is infected uh, and we see that she has a she was bit on her shoulder. Uh, Tess shows Joel Ellie's arm and how it's healed up so quickly. Uh, she asks Joel to take her to Bill and Frank uh, that they'll know what to do. And, you know, you kind of see her left arm starts twitching. Uh, she asks Joel to get her get her there and set everything right. Uh, one of the dead fireflies starts to come back and Joel shoots it dead, which alerts a massive the massive horde of infected we saw earlier. Knowing that they might have about a minute, Tess starts knocking over barrels of gasoline and grenades. She tells Joel to save who you can save, and Joel immediately grabs Ellie and is dragging her out of the museum. We see the horde break through the entrance as one slowly approaches Tess. She struggles to ignite her, her, her lighter, uh, and the infected embraces Tess, and we see it insert itself into her mouth. Uh, which is a sentence I was hoping I wouldn't have to say uh, in, in this podcast. Uh, she manages to ignite the lighter, blowing up the building, sacrificing herself in the process. And as Ellie lets out a big sigh, the episode ends. So fantastic way to end this episode and a great stopping point for the story. I know that when I was playing through the game, I actually remember being like, okay, I'm going <laughs> to, that was a lot. I'm going to take a break at this moment. Um, and you know, it's funny last week I called Kevin a, a clicker kisser and I had no idea that we'd be getting, <laughs> we'd be getting this know. horrifying, know. terrible moment. Um, well, I feel like, <laughs> even I, though I feel like that, you know, don't come for me in the, in the comments or whatever. Uh, I know it was a runner, not a clicker in this moment, but, uh, Justin, what did you think of this ending? What did you think of Tess's sacrifice? Uh, and when do you think she was infected? I don't know when. I think that it it had to have been, um, if we're if we're to imagine that it had been over the course of the last few days, then it had to. It's either outside of the window of time that we see her mm -hmm. before she's interrogated with Robert. She could have gotten bitten, or I can't imagine that that bite that bite looked like it was getting seriously infected. So it looked days old, like it didn't yeah. happen when they were in. But the they museum, say it usually right? like two to three days is how long it takes to turn. So, right. so if this was maybe she was bit a you know a couple of days prior, because I don't think to your point how how infected it looks. I don't think she was necessarily bit in the museum. No, right. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe we'll. I don't see. know if like maybe. Yeah. But I, I and the other thing too is like this is kind of like maybe one of the negative things about this ep this episode specifically mm -hmm. is that it felt like when we got to this moment it was like okay we need to just let let Tess go. Right, like yeah. we just need to now move on from 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 this, from the three of them, and just have Joel and Ellie, you know, trudge along the rest of the way. 
Um, it, it just sort of felt like it was a matter of, of convenience to let her go here and to also just give her a fond farewell, right? Like the idea of that she sacrifices herself, you know, that she's infected. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that just adds that, you know, poetic heroism to her character. And, and the fact that the clicker came over to her, sorry, the runner came over to her, um, I think the runner sensed knew that she was turning yeah i mean well i was gonna say that yeah i like because you know you look at it and then it's it's sort of like the the cordyceps recognized it and was you know inserting itself to sort of say wake up right i know you're in there yeah do i mean like yeah and maybe you need a little help it's kind of like this dark twisted thing because it you know it, it looks it looks like yes they're they're making out but that wouldn't make any sense for a cordyceps mm-hmm. to, to to want to do that, yeah. so I think you're absolutely right, and I think it, I think in the in the saddest way, it sensed that you know it was looking for the most accessible orifice on her body, which just happened to be her mouth uh, in that moment, and I think her it, it it probably sensed that her host body was giving up in that moment, yeah, right, like it could it knew from from you know because she's infected already and in, in, in something in her brain it knew that like i don't need to attack this thing i just need to connect with it um yeah. and that's you're absolutely right it just it, opened it up definitely it definitely felt that Ugh. way you know what i mean because like i know when we saw like nana adler going at it yeah in, in the last episode you know she was biting but that thing was definitely uh, attached yeah to to uh mrs adler so it's I'm I'm like again it, it could be one of those things where it was like like you said it sensed that it didn't need to be aggressive it knew that the that the process had already begun maybe it just needed a little bit of some assistance so Ugh. yeah gross as fuck it's so gross I was like Whoa. yeah and like what a great way to change things up from the game right with the game it was mm-hmm. Fedra that killed the fireflies um and and I think good on Tess for going out like a badass here again like you know, you can tell she really feels this sense of guilt for some of the things that her and Joel have done in the past. And whether or not that was truly for survival or not, this was her moment to make things right before she died anyways. Right. Right. And so I think, you know, this is her last act. Uh, and and it was it was for the greater good of humanity. And so I, I appreciate that about her character. Yeah, it seemed like, to your point, they at least tried to give her that justification that what she was doing was to help not just Ellie, but help everyone. Yeah. When she says, you know, set everything right, that's, uh, in my opinion, feels like an implication that if there's a chance for them to to fix this, and Ellie is that chance, then, you know, you can do it. You got to right? do it. Save who you can save, yeah. right, is what she says. And that's that's such a, such a meaningful line because that is, I think, at, at the core of, of The Last of Us as we talked about love and fear. Like, that is so integral. You know, save who you can save, right? And, like, the idea that, Again, to sort of see her almost forced to go through this character, this transition of character, right, because of that bite. You know, she she we very quickly sort of see her from, you know, the first episode to this one in just how much her and Joel are out for themselves to this sort of this this greater good act. Um, also, I didn't notice it before, but shout out to Ellie's backpack, uh, the little airplane wings on the back of her backpack, just like in the game. Um, I don't know, just a neat little visual nod that I'm like, oh, because I got that backpack in the Ellie edition of the of Last of Us Part Two, and it's got a little airplane wings on it, and I love it. It's so cool. Um, anyways, just want to shout out the backpack. So <laughs> let's get to our overall thoughts and and final score for this uh, this episode. 
uh, which we're going to be rating on a scale of one to five uh, clicker kisses. How how fitting of a of a score for for this episode? <laughs> um, yeah, like I was was alluding to before, there were some things that I wasn't a huge fan of. This was kind of like a, a very like um, expository episode. Sure. Um, just so that, but handled well, like, yeah. don't get me wrong. Like it, it wasn't like someone was narrating. Um, we have a great cold open, which, you know, that storyline in itself about how the infection spread, I'm hoping that that will find its way to continue mm. throughout. But where we start to kind of go on this sort of like mission, it was, it's to introduce us to the world outside of the QZ to see what is going on to obviously introduce us to the clickers finally, right? Episode two, we're in here and now we get to actually see what they look like, um, and then also just deliver up some character points that that are going to be relevant as as we go through. Um, so overall, it just felt a little bit slower in comparison to to last week's episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that some things happened very conveniently, like like how Tess got bitten. Like mm-hmm. when did she get bitten? I would have liked it if if she at least even said he. You know, Joel looks at her and he's, and she's just like, "This happened two days ago." Right. Do you know what Even I mean? Even to just and get like, a little more. Yeah. Exactly. Just something that we could get thrown in there that at least justifies it didn't happen at the museum. Right. Right? It happened It happened somewhere else. But maybe they were thinking because of how bad that wound looked, it should be implication enough that it, it didn't happen recently. It happened a while back. Well, it's interesting. Right? I was I literally just was looking up online, and there's a cutscene of Tess's character uh, before they before the first time you interact with clickers where you do see underneath her shirt uh slightly near her collarbone um you do see the little bit of an infection spreading which is a detail that i never even noticed in the game and Mm -hmm. i have some lovely folks on reddit have have pointed that out but um sorry continue i just yeah it was interesting well and then if they've if they've if they've planted that i think they could have made it a little bit more clear sure but anyways, I enjoyed that how they sent Tess off, and yeah, we knew that she wasn't going to be sticking around. If you played the game, much yes. longer, yeah. yeah. If you've played the game, then we we knew that. So, yeah. but I think it was very clear that it was just a sort of let's just have an episode with her and then get her out. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that's kind of what this felt. But I think overall, it still looks great. Yeah. The acting is still elevated beyond all means the clickers look fantastic. There's just such a commitment to building out this world, and I'm so happy that for episode two you know spending the time in you know the city uh in of where the infected are that was that was an enjoyable time so um i'm gonna give this episode four out of five clicker kisses beautiful nice little sweet little you know cute little kisses uh this this episode starts uh started off with incredible world building opener that we talked about uh, adds so much more depth to the original story giving us answers to questions uh, instead of telling us, it's showing us. And I think that's another thing too. It's a, you know, it's a feature of storytelling that works so well in this medium for, of television, but then also just in the world building of sort of them walking by the craters in the city. Right. And, and having that little moment to understand like, no, 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 this is where they, they bombed the city. That feels very video game. Right? right? Very like video game walking and then she's like in front of you she's like, "Hey, what's is this the it's, is this the crater from the bombs?" <laughs> right. and it's like, "Yeah." You know yeah, what I mean? Like absolutely. You, could, you could totally you could totally see that. Maybe happening. written a little better than what you just said, but yes. Um but I think um it follows in the footsteps of the games, right? And we get to see a few moments of character growth between Joel and Ellie and the changes that they made to Tessa's fate. I thought made for uh an even more epic 
moment of self-sacrifice yeah. on top of what was already a great ending for her character uh, in the game. And I think this episode felt very much like how the game did it in that it was very much, um, you know, telling the story of, of through brief moments of interaction, right? As these characters sort of make their way across uh, the city from point A to point B, because the majority of the story that we're seeing here that that's in the game, you're on yeah, the just sticks. Walking. Yeah, you're on the sticks. Yeah. You're literally walking. Yeah. So to be able to sort of see it from these different perspectives, get to see it shot in a certain way, and that that scene with the clickers was absolutely uh, terrifying. And you know, there's some series out there that we've talked about in the past. I mean, I think of that one episode of Loki, where it's literally just two characters walking, talking to each other for the entire. It's just Loki and Sylvie walking in the middle of mm. that season. And it was so boring. Like, at least with this episode, the way it's shot, uh, getting the moment with the clickers, I think the the opening and the closing to this episode are, are such high peaks that the fact that it dips in the middle a little bit is fine because they need to get through this part of the story uh, to get to the, the parts that maybe are a little bit more... Um, For sure. It's... it's, it's it, it, and not to be, like, not to say that it was it's horrible no of course not the storytelling it has it it has to be there this is this is a constant that we always talk about with with the tv series medium yeah is that you're gonna have these episodes that aren't gonna be the the episode ones or the episode four the ones that everyone talks about sure exactly they're gonna be these episodes that need to give more context to the to to the to the events to the characters to everything that's going on so that things are gonna move a little bit slower and i think if anything coming off of last week's episode it's very apparent that that's what this episode is it is as you're describing that that slow dip that's necessary it has a strong opening and a strong ending the doctor at the beginning saying you know bomb everything and then you have tess bombing Bombing everything so yeah Right, so it's book ending. It's, it's an Justin. interesting, di- yeah. There you go. That's what I was going to say. There we it's go. Your, that's your that's enough ending, for bro. me then. <laughs> so yeah, because yeah. of the amazing, it's get a five out of five. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't go that far. I won't go that far. Um, I'm going to give it also four clicker kisses out of five. I think it's a really great episode. Um, yeah, it's great. All right, well, that is it for this week's Watch Club for HBO's The Last of Us. We hope you enjoyed it, and if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or predictions on the shows we cover in Watch Club, well, let me step on some cordyceps to wake Justin up so that he can let you know how you can reach us outside your QZ. I like that one. Well, <laughs> they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or they can reach out to us on Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at We Are Geek Center. Justin, go far from your, from your mic right now. I don't want to hurt people's ears. Give me your best, your best uh, cordyceps screech. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Amazing. Uh, yeah, hopefully that doesn't hurt your ears. We'll get them to turn it down in the edit. Uh, keep in mind, we also have a ton of other great episodes covering the latest in movies and TV shows and games, uh, including our, our recent, uh, or I guess somewhat recent, <laughs> Geek Back episode. We took a look back at 2022 and shared our favorite movies, TV shows. We talked about our biggest disappointments. Mine in particular, I think you're going to, if you're a fan of food, you're going to want to listen to that one. Um, and we also talk about what we're looking most forward to in 2023 and we have a ton of interviews out right now um our most recent interview with the bad batch themselves d bradley baker uh and justin sat down with star wars the bad batch writer jennifer corbett and supervising director brad rao and speaking of the bad batch if you enjoyed this watch club this format of this episode um, we actually have a watch club going on right now for that series as well every single wednesday uh, we pop those episodes out um so you know definitely check out those episodes 
episodes, get all batchy with us. Uh, and we have some really, really great interviews and reviews planned um, for this new year. Um, is there anything we can share, Justin? Well, tomorrow, uh, mm-hmm. at the time that you're listening to this, tomorrow we will have a review up for an Apple TV series called Shrinking. Oh, yeah. Um, and we will also have an interview with one of the cast members uh, from that show as well. Both two separate episodes. So you can enjoy the review and the interview on their own. I know we're very excited to share our thoughts oh, about yeah. this Apple oh, TV yeah. series. The year has barely kicked off and we're already getting this, Last of Us, and Shrinking. Dude, 2023 is just going to be... I know it's we said just, this about last it's, we're year. We're not even through the first month. <laughs> I know. And honestly, some of the like, best it's television. Crazy, the, the stuff that we yeah, we've gotten within the first month of the year. So it's good. nuts. So good. I'm so looking forward to the rest of it. Uh, so listen, if you're looking forward to it, subscribe here. Subscribe to us on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. You can keep up with all the great stuff we got going on over there. Justin, thank you so much for joining me for this watch club. And as we say, when you're lost in the darkness, look for the light.